Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1G. K-U-R-T. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, downloading the podcast. Please share the podcast. You know what you haven't said in a while? What's that? The- share. Baby. Share, baby. Share. There you go. Um, I love your shirt. L-I-V-I-N. Yeah. Living. So it's Matthew McConaughey. Is that like from is that it's from the dazed and confused okay that's like his first role I think, that so basically. it's like a it, that's like a selfie from his first like one of his first roles because yeah. i don't think that scene was the picture that i see on your shirt i don't think that was actually in the movie no i think you're right that's a good point yeah. i don't think that... I, I bet you it's like him taking a selfie on yeah on so the set did you know that that movie there's there's a good documentary about that movie about the making of that movie God, i love that movie. and i think it's what like richard linklater i think yeah is the guy that, that sounds did it. familiar um who's a pretty big time producer now but uh it, all of those people that was in they were in that movie it was there was their first role for everybody complete nobodies and nobody got paid anything to be in that movie they made that thing dirt cheap and Matthew McConaughey, Ben Affleck, like superstars. Mila Jovovich, she's also, I would say, right. borderline superstar. Um, the two things I always think of, I, I think about the fact that, um, I mean, I didn't grow up in the 70s. I was, I, you know, I was barely born in the 70s. But so it, I did, but I, it was still familiar to me. Yeah. For when I grew up in the 90s. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think there's more similarities to, me growing up in the '90s, where, where the the movie set in the '70s, yeah. compared to now, if you know what I mean, like even though it's 20 years difference, like they just did such a good job of encapsulating high school oh, in a small town. They did a fantastic job of that. But I also think, and it always struck me at the time, that it was unusual for for whenever they made that movie, whatever it was '94 or something like that, that they placed it in the '70s because it wasn't they, that nobody far was the, doing that no. at that time. No, it was awesome, and they, um, did, they did just a great job with it. I think about this, the big stars that are in it, but the two characters that stick out for me the most, one good, one bad. The best one is, I don't know the character, but he was just like kind of the shithead in the character in the movie the whole time. Um, uh, I don't know. He, he was the one that was like, ah, fuck. Not the one that was always high. That no. Like literally no. every single line he had in the movie was about smoking dope. No. Um, that guy was pretty funny, he too. He was great. Um I mean, he he. So the thing is, is he wound up not being anybody. I mean, Jason London. I mean, he wound up being something yeah, big. Jason London was good. That, too. The gal from Chasing Don. Amy. Don's the character in the Gosh, movie. I'm um, struggling to remember who that dude even was. Yeah, I mean, he was absolutely. He he was just, he was the guy in the in the bib and overalls all the time. Oh, I love that, that dude. dude. That dude. <laughs> oh, he was great. Was Total, absolutely. I mean, complete sociopath, right? Yeah, but just. <laughs> So he was absolutely amazing. He was so good. He made up for the other character in the movie, the 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 freshman to be. Sure, Th- that that kid was awful in the movie. Yeah, his, he was bad, Mitch. Like he, o- Mitch, good job. Mitch. He almost killed the movie. His his, his he, he was did. so bad. I mean, like so- you want to talk about somebody that was you could tell was new into acting. Yeah, Whew, he was new into acting and just needed to never get back. Okay, into it. did you guys do the drinking game? No. Like, so we used to watch that. Like, so in college. It, you know, for just hanging out at somebody's house, having a party, whatever, we would just put that movie on. It would just play on a loop the whole time. It's a great just having on the background movie. And Mitch, who was such a bad actor in that movie, he every, would touch his nose. Yes! He would touch his nose. Yes. So every time he touched his nose, you had to drink. That is hilarious. You guys didn't do that? 
so a buddy of mine used to talk about it all the okay. time. The touching the nose, the touch like because that was like his nervous twitch. Yes, because you could tell he was probably just crazy nervous on set. Right. That's what he was doing to try to like. That is that is classic. Yeah. I might. Want to, I'm going to try that. Sometime. I mean, not joking. Every weekend that 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 thing was on the TV for us. And if you happen to be watching at the time and somebody caught it, you had to take. You it. had to take a drink. That is classic, yeah. man. That is fantastic. I'm proud of you. Speaking of L I V I N, you were doing a little living last uh, night. I. Yeah, so I was doing some research for the pod, and to be honest with you, you know, it's Friday night. I could have been doing different things. I was having a great time just researching <laughs> these teams. And yeah, Vicar, party one. I had one team left to go, the Boilermakers. And for whatever reason, I just thought about the Boilermaker drink where you drop the whiskey in the yeah. beer. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I could use some bourbon right now. So I got into the bourbon, and before you know it, it was I was pretty deep into the bourbon before yep. I went to bed. So I'm I'm struggling right now. So I, I my recall may not be great right With now. With that being said, your gravelly voice is even more. It's a little more gravelly right here. now. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. like people probably if you're driving in your car right now, you might want to like turn the bass down in yeah. your car. It might just you know rattle rattle things in your in your vehicle too much. So, all right, so we have got a three team podcast. We might as well just jump in get. Right into it, well, right? We, just we got one, one housekeeping. Sorry, one housekeeping item here, and this is from Andy Greeter, G R E D E R. He's at the St. Paul Pioneer Press. I see him on Twitter all the time. Reputable dude, but I have not heard this confirmed. However, he reports Northwestern safety Travis Willick and defensive end Sam Duke Miller are both opting out of this season. That would be a huge blow to that defense. Yeah, I mean Sam Duke Miller. I'm not saying he is like. Not an absolute stalwart of the defense, but boy, that's somebody that Northwestern was counting on. If he's gone, it's going to hurt. Well, and Willick's a good, reliable guy, too. He's been around for a while. So you're talking about this team is going to have to lean heavy on their defense this year. And you're talking about losing two big-time starters from that defense. No bueno. No, yeah. not good. If, if, if true, again, I have not seen that confirmed, but Andy's a reliable dude, so I assume it's true. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, we have sandbagged as much as we could with some of these teams. Oh boy! To try to see if we could hear, you know, yeah. like things that we've been hearing behind the scenes. If they were going to come to fruition, some of these teams we've waited long enough. Things have come out, but it's not been. I didn't expect anything from Northwestern. I guess is what I'm saying for changes late in the personnel. Yeah, like I that. didn't either. However, I guess if you're looking at the Big Ten and like the teams that were the most adamant about playing. And the ones that were quieter, they were on the quieter side. Yeah. They, they didn't even – Northwestern didn't chime in until pretty late in the game. Correct. So and we got one injury too, right? Yeah. We Also, Ohio State defensive back Court Williams has an ACL, and we're going to get into Ohio State here okay. in this cast here. But he was, he was a depth guy. I don't think that's going to be a huge blow to the Buckeyes. All right. So let's go ahead and get into the aforementioned – Ohio State Buckeyes. You ever heard of these guys? Last five years, 61 and 7. That equals out to essentially a 12 and 1 team every year they roll the helmets out onto the field. Their high is 13 and 1, which just happened last year. Their low is a, is that horrible 11 and 2 in 2016 in the last five years. Last year, like I said, uh, 13 and one, you know, it's just funny. Cause it's like, I do the Winsopedia thing and I just go back sure. to five years to double check and like <laughs> love Winsopedia, by the way. Oh God. Winsopedia we don't, we don't give them, I should probably drop their name more often. Yeah. yeah. Winsopedia. If you, any game for the history of college football yeah. is in there. I just, I, I, 
Whoever just said, let's do this, thank you, that yes. person or people Mr. or Wikipedia. I would say you could pretty much get by in life with Winsipedia, FBS schedules. FB schedules. FB schedules, excuse me. I was, yep. uh, uh, Athline, pick six previews. Pick six previews, And then sure. you need just one statistical site to kind of go through. You can go, you know, NCA.org. But... Yeah, NCA.org is fine, but, you know... That is that's one area I think is lacking. When I agree. I, when I look want to look up a stat, it is hard to it find. Is. It what, is way whatever too hard. I want to find. I could not agree day. more. Uh, anyways, when I went through Winsipedia, um, I mean, you tell me if I'm making this up, but there seems to almost be like a oh Ryan Day is you know really straight in this program out. Isn't that weird? Type. Type of feel, and yeah, then you look. It was, it was you look at the previous four under, years before that. Wow, the the worst year they had was an eleven and two year in two thousand sixteen. Okay, sidebar here because this is something <laughs> I think about a lot. As an Illini fan, obviously long time suffering Illini fan. It's been oh what twenty five years. But then I think about being okay. What if I was an Ohio State fan? You expect to win every single game, right? So are you happy when you win the game? No, it's just like. It's like validating, yes, we were supposed to win that game, we won that game. And then you lose a game, and it's got to be the end of the world. I mean, it's just, it really is complete complete opposite sides of the spectrum. Yeah. yeah. Whereas me, it's like, yeah, we lost again. Yeah. yeah. Sure, of course. But yeah. then when we win, I'm like, oh, my God. This yeah, is amazing. I mean, there might, it's kind of like, I think of my, my buddy um, that grew up in the Midwest, and he moved to Southern California, right? And he's like, oh, man, weather, I can't wait. And after he'd lived there for three or four years, I'm like, Man, how's that weather? He's like, well, it's sunny yesterday, and it's gonna be <laughs> sunny today, and it'll be sunny tomorrow. And you just get to the point where it's like you kind of almost get sick of the, the sunny weather. Well, and as my buddy who lives out in California says, yeah, the weather's nice, but it's not free. You pay for it. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, um, you pay for, pay for it in a couple different ways. With that being said, the feel and the direction. Of the program under Ryan Day is has been absolutely excellent thus okay, far. Okay, absolutely excellent. Um, one of the things I don't think Ohio State gets enough credit for is their player development. 100%. I mean, because people just assume, well, you're recruiting all these four and five stars. They should be good, but it's not that easy. Like, they get all these – like, every receiver goes to the NFL. Yeah. They, it's like no bus. No bus to the quarterback position. It's just amazing what they do in player development. I mean, it, it – Player development for what they look like, you know, when they have the Buckeye uniform on, and then what they look like in the, when the NFL. Too. Oh my gosh! It's across. So, I mean, there are. I think it's fair to say there are seven or eight football programs that recruit at an insane, insanely high yeah. level, but there's only three right now that recruit and develop, and develop at the right. insanely high level. It's Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson. I agree. Like, so, I, I, I mean. I'm glad you brought that up because that would have been something that I wouldn't have thought of and, and been remiss that we didn't talk about. But it, it, like Ohio State fans don't have a ton of things to be annoyed about, but that is one of them where it's like it's not just about the talent. No, it's not. Yeah. And there seems to be a good culture at Ohio State, too. There does. Yeah. I, I mean, I just have always been. And how about this? Just lack of five star busts, which gets well, know, back to the development thing, right? You know, I'm like I'm going to be talking about. I'm going to be mentioning five star a lot in this. Yeah, in yes, this preview yes, here. we will. But think about it. okay, you go back to like the John Cooper days where they were just, just stupid talent, right? It was just ridiculous. Like maybe even might be maybe better. Uh, 
on the talent level Maybe. than what they are now. Okay, which but, is insane. But then you get Trestle, who was a great coach. They probably took a small step back in talent, but they were a better team, right? right. And then Urban comes in and he elevates the talent like considerably, noticeably, right? Right. right. And now Ryan Day maybe is, etched it up more. Is yeah, like yeah. maybe not as big of a jump from Trestle to uh, Urban, hundred percent. But I think he's taken a jump in talent up from what Urban was doing. Possibly. Um, what I got one thing that I uh, maybe a bit of a break off from that, but I, I, I well we'll we'll get okay. into it once we get there. Um, uh, uh, what what is incredible again? Another incredible thing. Alabama, right? LSU, I mean, Clemson's new into it, but Nebraska, Tennessee, USC, every single one of these teams that I've named that are blue blood programs have took either a three, four year yeah. dip in right. some cases a decade long. I mean, sure. we, we got dips across the board for these blue blood. Sure. I mean, we are talking like one, one year. year, one year a in, single, in our lifetime. Year. Yes. Where Ohio State was bad. Well, maybe not, not, not even bad. They just but not lifetime because the 80s, they were not the same program. That OK, they but but even then we're talking they were like eight and three teams. Sure. Yeah. And I I, I didn't understand that's a little bit below like where Trestle Urban and, and Day has them. But again, that's another thing to point at when your dip was like night 1987 and you were eight and three. Yes. <laughs> Pretty good. It's pretty I, good. I saw the Buckeyes play in 1987. Okay, cool. There's a fun good. fact for you. My first ever game in Champaign at Memorial Stadium was against the Buckeyes. And I'm assuming it was kind of painful, or uh, it was it was a real close game. It was a boring game. It was okay. like I think the final was 10 to seven. Yeah, it was a real. But I remember like as a kid just thinking, oh, it's a team from Ohio. We're we're gonna beat them. <laughs> you had no. you had not quite gotten up to I your current level no. of Big Ten knowledge Correct. at that time. Yeah. Um, so defensive coordinators, they're going to do the co-thing again as far as how they're saying it. Uh, Kerry Coombs and Greg Madison. So Greg Madison in his second year. Talk about underrated. I think Greg Madison is yeah. possibly the best defensive coordinator in the Big Ten. His simplistic view of defense to just essentially get guys lined up and let them attack. I mean, it's incredible. I just don't understand yeah. why more teams I don't, don't do it. I don't get it. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why you got to make things so complicated. Kerry right. Coombs comes in new. He's come in to be more the defensive back coach. I think, yeah. you know, first and foremost, but he's going to have a handle on the defensive coordinator uh, roles as well. Uh, Kevin Wilson, you know, he's listed as the offensive coordinator. He's more of like, I, I, I think he would probably be more of like an offensive analyst. Yeah, let's like call a very him a high consultant, maybe. Consultant, but maybe. How, what a luxury. Brian, Brian Day's the play caller is what we're saying. Sure, but what a luxury to have Kevin Wilson on your staff. I mean, that's just. And do you think, like, Kevin Wilson, I mean, the the iffy things that followed him from Indiana, they weren't yeah. that big of a deal, what? right? No, they weren't. My point is he, he could go be a head coach somewhere sure. if he wanted to. Do you think he's just like, this is fun? Oh, I mean, I was. it's funny you say that because I was actually kind of thinking that exact same thing. If I'm Kevin Wilson, yeah, you want to be a head coach, but then, you know, I'm making a crap load of money, and it nothing comes back on me really. Like, yeah, he's the OC, but it's going to come back on Ryan Day, not him. He's got – he's like – Besides second string quarterback in the NFL, he's got the best job in the world. It's and I and he's not he's not a spring chicken either. So like you know to to have the energy to restart a program, I gotta think he's just like this is fine. Of I'll course, be, I'll be here for a while. I, I would, would stay. I would trade places with Kevin right <laughs> yeah, now. I would definitely trade. Hey, since we're uh, talking about the offense, should we get into the yes. offense? Okay, um, this is gonna be a pretty good offense. You think so? <laughs> yeah. Now last year. 
pretty much off the charts. Total offense, fourth in the country. And they were actually higher most of the year. There was like a small little dip towards the end of the year. Average 530 yards per game. Scoring offense, third, almost 47 points per game. And that's in the Big Ten. We play defense here. That is absolutely incredible. Um, well, it, and, and you think about it. Think about how much garbage time they had. You know, where they the starters weren't even playing. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up. Okay. Check this out. Okay. There was only one stat for the major stats, scoring, total, passing, rushing. Yep. One stat of all eight of those where they weren't in the top ten. Can you guess which one it was? So passing, rushing. like Total the- offense, total defense, rushing defense, uh, uh, total points allowed, <sighs> rushing defense allowed, passing defense allowed. What was the I mean, one that they weren't in the top ten? I, mean, I know they're great. Against Nationally. Both, they were awesome against the pass. I mean, I guess I go. I'll go with like rushing, passing. It was passing. But think about it. Guess who tallied up three touchdowns with 224 yards by the third, second, third quarter, and he just didn't throw the ball or play that much. Justin Fields. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, right. Pass, passing offense. Passing okay. offense. Yes, there that were 36 in the country. But do you think there were 35 teams better than Ohio State at throwing the ball? No, last there was year? probably one. I think probably LSU, and that was one or two. It. Yeah. yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah, maybe Clemson. Maybe right. Right. It, that's what my point is. It's like they're <laughs> only their only stat that looks like it's outside sure. the norm. You easily can explain it. Okay, away. and I'm glad you brought that up because my I'm kind of jumping ahead, but my overall thought about this offense is they probably can't lean as much on the run as they did last year with J.K. Dobbins. So I feel like that's going to have to be their bread and butter this year is the passing game more than the running game. I agree. Um, and, you know, and it's just as far as the overall F- offense, can it be that good again? Um, going to be tough, right? It, yeah. would, I mean, these were – that was a historically explosive offense. Yeah. One way that it could be better – which is a scary thought for any Big Ten fans that are non-Ohio State fans listening to this podcast. The word out of camp is that Justin Fields has took a step up in I, his I, understanding and grasp and, and comfortability. I just don't offense. even know how that's possible. <laughs> I guess we're going to find out. Props to Justin Fields. I mean, this guy is a physical specimen. He apparently yep. ran a 4-3-40 no. this summer or spring when they tested. All right. I'm Ron Burgundy right now, and I say, I don't believe you. And I'm okay, lighting maybe. up my cigarette and, and pivoting my chair. Um, his accuracy, good. Like, amazing. Arm strength, good. But good. we know he's a great athlete. We know he's fast. He's a great leader. Yes. He has a he has a gigantic role that we're even recording this podcast for getting Big Ten football back. Yes. I mean, he doesn't do anything stupid off the field. He's yeah. a great leader. Yeah. What, there's nothing bad you can say about the dude. I would like to, as much as you would like to be Kevin Wilson, I think I'd like to try being Justin Fields for about a week. See, Especially I, in the off season when I can well, just go to campus parties. and <laughs> Sure, that part would be nice. Um, but I don't know, that seems like it's a lot of effort. Yeah, okay. All right. To be I, Justin Fields. I, Kevin's just sitting there. He's sipping on his bourbon saying, hey, nice play call, Ryan. Good <laughs> that, job. We might have just shown the difference in our personalities yes, there a I little so. bit. but. We could probably actually talk more about Justin Fields, but I mean, looking at the stats last year, 3,273 yards, 41 touchdowns, three picks. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) I just don't know how you can even get better than that. Maybe more touchdowns simply because, well, you know, he's not going to have more because of the shortened season, but anyways, long story short, I mean, we could go on and on about Justin Fields. I saw a, uh, a NFL draft uh, analysis 
that had him fifth in the country. Hmm. So fifth overall. In, huh? in I just I just don't see it. I, I think so. No. I I think he's a better version of Kyler Murray. It would a bigger, yeah, better version yeah, sure. of Kyler Murray. I agree. And I mean, isn't this kind of like another Peyton Manning, Ryan Leaf year where it's going to be one and two, Trevor and Justin, and it's just it's just who. But I feel way first. better about both of those guys. And I. But I'm saying one and two overall. Yes, but that's what I'm, I not, I'm just saying I don't see bust in either one of those guys. No, I don't. But okay, so let's talk about potential areas where they could stumble. Okay. Okay, I mean, so, it's pretty easy, right? I mean, well, I think so. Obviously, incredible, incredible talent at the wide receiver position, but they're, they're going to have to lean on a lot of young younger guys. guys. There, there's going to yeah. be a lot of fresh. I mean, there's going to have to be some freshmen that step up. And well, why don't we name a couple? Julian Fleming, he's only a five star. He's not just a five star. He was the five star. Yeah, like he was overall number one almost correct uh, i don't not just wide receivers i don't know if he was overall but he was he was High. way up there yeah uh jackson smith jigba yep um i think a guy that's kind of underrated like under the radar kind of guy is he's only a four-star mookie cooper out of st louis okay but then you know of course you got chris Olave. garrett wilson was a five-star jamison williams another younger guy that's that right looking at yeah too forgot about him but it, like i do understand what you're saying like there will be younger guys but you have chris Olave and garrett wilson i know there, there are Someone Someone's going to step up. By the way, their tight ends are incredible, too. I know. Luke Farrell and Jeremy Ruckert are, they're very good tight ends. They're very good. You know, if you're one of those guys, you're probably like, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't have gone to Ohio State because there's just that many dudes. There's so many receivers. I mean, how many catches can you really get? I would love to sit down at a, you know, party with one of those kids and just like have an honest conversation with them. Yeah. Like, has there ever been times where you've thought about. Maybe I should have gone to a, you know, very good, but not quite high level of a. Yeah. But then again, like I go back to the player development, just like if you're a great player and you go to Ohio State, you're going to go to the pro. It's like it's like if you stay healthy and listen to your coaches, the first thing to do, you know, it's like you always give the stats on how many high school seniors make it to division one level and how many make it to the NFL it's like you know three and one percent or whatever for Ohio State it jumps up to like 68 percent that well, you're th- making it to the NFL I think it flips like it's only like 0.01 percent that don't make it to the right, NFL right. so I am still very confident in who Justin Fields has got to throw to I'm also very confident in the offensive line yeah. is this the best offensive line in the Big Ten I can't say that for sure but it's it's definitely in the top uh, three teams of the lead of the th- top three units in the league. Three absolute studs along the offensive line mm-hmm. with Mumford, Myers, and Davis. Outside of that, they've got a they've got some new people. But to, you know what? They're they're all five stars. They're five stars. Both yeah. of their both of the new starters are five stars, and they got a five star on the bench in Paris Johnson. And somehow, is it possible that Ohio State's offensive line has also been underrated to a certain degree? Yeah, like I'm, you see, I don't know. There's just certain offensive lines that you know definitely jump up to the to the top where you just think offensive line. You, I mean, you know, Wisconsin, yeah. Iowa, Alabama, sure. stuff like Ohio State's. They don't take a backseat to anybody I, on the offensive line. I remember kind of questioning their offensive line last year because it was so new. They were basically had to break in a totally new line last year, and that was one of the reasons I didn't pick them to win the, the East last year. I'm never going to doubt them again. Nope. nope. Yeah, I remember thinking the same thing. So, if, by the way, if you're, a again, rival fan base or a non-Ohio State fan, I guess this is the crack in the armor, and I kind of 
it's not that much of a crack in the armor, but um, at running back, this will be my last chance on the podcast that I can talk about my guy, J.K. Dobbins. I mean, I don't think anybody talked more about J.K. Dobbins last year than than I, Jeffrey the Greek. Pretty sure that's... And by the way, he's looking pretty good in the NFL, too. Yeah, I have him on my fantasy team. I haven't started him yet. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, he's kind of a gadget guy, but man, he does well when, when he's given the chance. So, okay, but yet the... What we're looking at here is Trey Sermon, who comes over from the Big 12, and Trey Sermon's extremely explosive. He, I don't think he's – he's not in the J.K. Dobbins mode, but he's in the game-breaking mode, yeah. you know? But, yeah, I think you're right. Like, if, if there is a position that we're not going to gush over as much, it's running back. But, okay, if you had to pick one position group on offense, offensive line – Receiving group, quarterback, running back to be your worst. Which one would you pick? I would take running back. I would take running back. Yeah, especially because do we really think the cupboards are bare at running back for Ohio? They're going to be just fine. And when you have all the heat taken off of you, and 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 Ryan Day is so good at getting you into space to make a play, yep. you're going to be fine. So the one-two punch of Trey Sermon and Master Teague is going to be good. Steel Chambers, yet another name that's in the mix there, and they can use Demario McCall back there if they want to. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's just going to be another it's going to be another fun offense to watch. It will. Yeah, I just so I guess the question is, can they be better than last year? I just don't know that it's possible. It's going to be very hard. Yeah, very, very hard. But if they can, <laughs> that might be enough. Any more on offense or no, that's yep. pretty much all I got. Uh, so breaking news, Ohio State. Good on offense. They look to be pretty good on the offensive side of the ball. All right. Moving on to the defense. OK. All right. <laughs> I expect a step back. Yes, from last year. For um, sure. Last year's defense stats—they were actually better than the offense. We talked about it in the podcast a couple of times last year, which is just—that seems impossible, cons- considering like, you know, if if your offense is so good, you're scoring a lot, so you're giving the ball back. It doesn't, but it didn't translate. No, it didn't happen. No. Like so usually, if you have a great offense, your your defense suffers. It's like, it's like almost a rule. Yeah. Like when a when a new coach comes in to a new school and they switch from like a ground based offense to like the spread uh, within a year or two, the offense is scoring points and the defense just takes a step back. Right. Right. Um, Not last year under last year. So the stats that we're talking about, they were literally first in the country in total defense. They only allowed didn't even allow 260 yards a game. Two hundred and sixty. And again, there's a lot of garbage time in there where you're just throwing guys out there to get them experience. So th- that doesn't even really or just say garbage how- time points where you're already up. I mean, they were, you but know, that's what I mean, though, 38 like, to three. Right. And, you know, they just get some yards, get some points because right. they didn't even really see that. That's unreal. Scoring defense fourth. They didn't even allow 14 points a game last year Man. in the country. So with that being said, so I kind of, I guess, alluded to it a little bit, but like it are, could this be the first year? where we have seen that there hasn't been quite as much attention paid to recruiting and the defense. Ah, yeah. Because... I mean, that's one thing we have pointed out about the Buckeyes is their recruiting obviously is off the charts, but it seems like a little more skewed to the offensive side. Right? Yeah. Like, I don't expect it to be 50-50, but it almost seems like it's been like 70-30 where the the star and, and, you know, big splashy recruits break down offense to defense. Sure, so, but then when you look at it, I mean, start their 
basically retooling their entire defensive line here. Yep. You got uh, replacing Chase Young is going to be Zach Harrison. Oh, he's a five-star. By the way, his backup, Tyreek Smith, five-star. We got another five-star on the bench, Teron Vincent at, at tackle. So Jonathan Cooper on the other side of the defensive end. Those are two really good defensive ends. I yeah. mean, nobody is Chase Young. It's, no. You're not going to have that again. And, but, but two and, very and good. there were times where Chase Young was so good, he changed the complexion of a game early and hard. You know, yes. like where it's just drop back uh, and boom, it's a it's immediately a second and 17 deal. You, you can just be a pretty good defense at that point. Sure. And it's tough to get first downs. If that's gone, that's the loss. That's the loss that we're talking about. And and yep. it wasn't just Chase Young that left. Pretty much the whole starting D line yeah, and took Jeff off. O- Jeff Okuda, you can't you Big can't loss un- too. underestimate him. Um, but I think here's here's one area where you know obviously we're gushing over this team. We should be gushing over this team. But I think one area where you can get it early in the season because you know they're breaking a lot of new guys, especially on defense. If you can get them, catch them early in the season. You know, so they play Nebraska and Penn State really early. Yep, those are two, two team, two games to look out for. I think, and I don't think you're. It's good to get them in early in the season playing against their offense, but maybe you can get points on the board. That's what which, I'm saying. Okay, it's yeah. Good, yeah. And where I was kind of wondering where you're going is, do you think that means running the ball against a pretty green, you know, D line, or or throwing the ball against what is actually a pretty green defensive backfield? Yeah, I mean, to me, I feel like. I feel like if I had the tools, I would attack them through the air from the jump. Like, well, because you know you got to score a lot of points. Correct. So, I mean, in the end, you miss your, your passing game doesn't actually wind up working. You get beat, whatever, fifty to seven. Who right. cares? I mean, it's Ohio State. You just glance it off and go. I'm telling you right now. I mean, I guess I'm looking at you, Nebraska and Penn State. That's what I would do. I would I would try to attack this yeah. defense through the air at 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 the get go. So we think the defense is going to take a step back. What I'm, uh, so they were obviously great against both the pass and the run last year. I feel like this could be a good defense, but which one is it going to be? Are they better against the pass, better against the run? I'm not really sure. No, we don't know that. Uh-huh. Um, like we talked about that there was sort of a no-name defense, but tons of talent with the Penn State defense. Yeah. I mean, to a certain degree, you, kind could, of is. you could say that. Now, obviously, a huge name on the defense is cornerback Sean Wade. Yeah. Almost for sure going to be a first rounder. It was a huge uh, uh, help to the uh, Buckeye defense when he, you know, un, un, opted, un, in. opted in, he opted mm-hmm. back in. So um, uh, we kind of, you know, I think we kind of talked about the deep, but yeah, uh, defensive tackles Tommy uh, Togai, I think, Ty Johnson, very good. Jonathan Cooper, Zach Harrison, very talented. There's tons of four and five star depth. Going to be interesting to see to me. So I know that they're going to have six to eight solid defensive uh, uh, guys on their defensive line, right? Sure. Or who is there going to be one dude? Is there going to be an alpha that steps up on the defensive line? If there is an alpha that steps up in that Chase Young role, we're getting right back to where Ohio State's defense has been the last I mean, couple of years. I think if there is one, I'm picking Zach Harrison. I think Zach Harrison's a great, great but choice. But then also, like, you know, you, you got this, you're breaking in this new D line. But the good news is the linebackers behind them are really, really good. You really got good. Baron Browning, who's technically not a returning starter, but, but he, he started is. a lot of games. He played a lot. Yep. He was a five-star recruit. You got Pete Werner, who I think is maybe one of the most underrated players defensively in the entire conference. Correct. The guy's outstanding. Yep. And then Tough Borland, who had some rough patches early on. He's a senior now. I expect with all that talent around him, he's going to be just fine. So 
maybe the best linebacking group in the in the conference. Yeah. I don't know if I would. It's good. It's really good. I I would have to really kind of think about that, but it's very good. You know, you mentioned Baron Browning, even Ohio state fans, I think would tell you he's not lived up to the five-star billing that he had out of, out of high school. So does that mean he's been bad? No, I'm not saying that, but like, it just seems like when you have that high star, like we talked about before, once you get to Ohio state, it pays off. It hasn't had that much of a payoff. Out of him. I mean, I guess what you could say about him is he is a senior this year. Most five stars that go to Ohio State never see their senior year. It's true. That's a, actually a fantastic point. Yeah. Um, back in the backfields, so we kind of already talked about uh, Sean Wade. The other corner. Hey, Kurt. Seven. That's That was a Seinfeld episode. Woo! That was uh, our friend George Costanza's. It was his. Was it seven or Seven and Soda. So I mean, his, his, his plan B name was Soda. And that's and then, what he wanted to pawn off on that that couple they were yeah. out with. He wanted them to name their kids Soda, soda so he could take he seven. wanted seven. So anyways, the uh, uh, somebody uh, uh, took George Costanza. The Banks family took George Costanza's uh, thought process to heart. So two good cornerbacks, we think. We think seven um, Banks is going to be number seven, seven. which you, you would think it was. So we got a couple cornerbacks uh, after that with uh, Tyreek Johnson, Cam Brown. There's more guys coming up. Um, and um, uh, safeties are good. Uh, Marcus Hooker, Josh Proctor. Well, they're they're pretty good. Okay, I I've seen I've seen a a better crop of safeties out of Ohio State sure. before I guess is how I would say it so I, I, it's kind of the same thing with the with the D line where it's like we've got a we've got a group of of people and I said who's going to be the alpha yeah. in the group we already know who the alpha sure. in the group is so I'm telling you when you have that guy in the sec- secondary when I was at Iowa was Kerry Cooks like okay. when you have that voice that's just like sure it helps so i i just feel like Sean Way coming back it's a big oh deal oh my gosh it's a huge deal yeah huge deal yeah. so all right um specialists specialists yep we, we got, got we got good ones we got two coming back uh kicker Blake Howbile uh solid they don't use him much don't don't need him a whole lot your 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 legs going to be pretty fresh most of the season there, Blake. Yep. And then Drew Chrisman, same, same thing. thing. Yeah. Like Drew Chrisman, is it? It's so, like, he's so good, but he's probably the third best punter in the Big Ten when you think yeah, about it. Corsak and, and Hayes right. from Rutgers and Illinois, and yeah. then Chrisman. But Chrisman's probably good. just about as good as those two. Yeah. Yeah. He's a really good. But you just good never punter. see him. Yeah. You never see him. I bet you he has a good time with that. Because he seems like he's got a, I've seen he's had a pretty good sense of humor oh, before. Oh, his Twitter's but, fantastic. But being, being a punter on the Ohio State team where you just don't punt very often. Hilarious, and that's another one. Like, I'd like to sit him down. Like, do you don't do you wish you'd gone to Rutgers? I mean, because you would get a lot of work there. Not Rutgers, but somewhere somewhere else, Kansas, or maybe your rival. You'd be putting more there. Ooh. All right, getting the schedule. Yeah. Okay. Schedule. Okay. So we usually break it down again, four and four. It's just not even worth it, really, with Ohio State. Um, you know, and it's like, Ohio State, here's another thing that Ohio State gets drugged for probably more than they should. Quote-unquote, easy schedule. Part of the reason they have an easy schedule is They don't have to play themselves. <laughs> I mean, I don't know <laughs> what else to say. Right. Yeah. Um, for the crossover games, they get Nebraska and Illinois. You know, no offense to those fan bases, but they could have had more difficult uh, crossover. Sure, yeah. There. Yeah. Um, 
then you bring up the, oh, but, you know, that's who they lose to, the Big Ten West team that they don't expect. But they get those teams in a perfect, like those teams get have gotten Ohio State in a perfect spot. That's not what we have here. I no. mean, Nebraska, I could see in a, in a situation where Nebraska catching Ohio State in the wrong spot, like, could be an issue, but opening up the season with yeah. Nebraska kind of stomps that out. I mean, I could see Nebraska kind of maybe putting a scare in them for a little while. Just putting points on the board. Yeah, putting some points on the board. But, I, I mean... It's just really hard for me to see a a 60-minute-long effort out of the Nebraska defense to shut yeah. down the affirmation offense no. that we just talked about. Nope. So, just don't see it. So, then, the big game of the year. I mean, biggest game, right? I Michigan. Miss, uh, so, you do still have Michigan. I still have Michigan. I mean... Okay. You could say Penn State because that's really who they're probably competing with in the East to win the East, but still going to put it down the game. I, that's I the think game. I'm okay. I'm, I, think I I'm have both. Game. I have both written down. But the thing is, that's crazy. So they open with Nebraska and then play Penn State, right? If they beat Penn State, because it's not a given, right? Penn State has always played them tough, quite, or almost always played them tough. Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan State. Oof. There is a high probability that none of those teams will come within. I mean, three touchdowns, I'm pretty confident, but there, I, 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 I'm predicting some sort of stat. You, you, you heard it here now on the Eyes on Big Podcast, okay? But between Penn State and Michigan, there will be some stat thrown out where thrown out, thrown out where it will say with six games in a row of mm-hmm. Ohio State being favored by at least three touchdowns, that will set some sort of Big Ten record. Yeah, and and the the scariest part is they may cover in every all those single games. time. Yeah, I, I mean, I might even be selling them short with being twenty one point you favorites in every one of those games. I think I'm going to retract my biggest game because let's be honest, they've dominated Michigan, and we've already previewed Michigan. We think they're going to be a little bit down this year compared to what they usually are. I, I'm just chalking that up as a win. I'm going biggest game, Penn State. I don't. I'm. I don't. I, I could go either way on that. I I'm, just. Yeah. I'm changing my answer. Okay. Because honestly, you know who I have for the scariest game? Penn State. I have Michigan. Oh, you do? Okay. <laughs> just because. No, I can see that. They've already got the Big Ten wrapped up at that point. Um, it's a rivalry, right? I mean, I went Penn State just because to me, that's their season. Right. Week two is their season. Right. Got to win that game. Okay. All right. The, and then over under, it's at 8.5. Why? Because they can't set it at nine. <laughs> Right? You can't set it. No, I don't you, think you, you can literally s- can't, right? I don't think so. No, how so, could you do that? But I think, I mean, I would probably err towards the over. over. Yeah. yeah. I mean, over. it's basically two games on their schedule that you think they could lose. Um, anyways, okay. So, really, obviously, what we're looking at here is Ohio State as a national title, not only, you know, college football playoff uh, participant, but somebody that could win it. I just thought I'd, I'd, I'd write these th- three things down. Here are the three okay. things that could prevent them from happening. I used to have four. Okay. I wrote this actually a while ago, but I've took the top one off. I thought at one point had they lost their mojo because of the, the how Clemson ended. Because if you yeah. remember, like we were February, March, and it was like, they were still stinging from that game. At least sure. I know Ohio State fans were. But from what I've seen for how bad they've wanted to get on the field, the leadership yeah. of Justin Fields, the leadership of Ryan Day, that one is stricken out. They Definitely. are angry and hungry. Yes. Another thing to be scared about if you're a non-Ohio State Which, fan which is good. And as, as long as they stay that way, because to me, when you, when, you, when you have a team that's this good, your biggest enemy is yourself, right? You get overconfident. 
I mean, I, I remember like the when USC was the, the big power when they had Reggie Bush and they had Matt Leinart and all those guys. They would just kind of fall asleep some games. So that to me, that's their biggest threat to not get into the playoff this year. I, I agree, but I just don't see anybody in between Penn State and Michigan that has enough no ponies to even to, keep up. Right. I mean, then we're talking no. about they were a twenty-four point favorite and they only won by seventeen. Right. That's that's the best I can see yeah. out of that. Mm-hmm. So that one's off the board. I got I got I got three things that I that possibly could hurt okay. them. The first one is being a certain player on their offense going down yes. with injury. Don't even sure. want to say his name, but that that's that's number one with a bullet yep. right there. Number two is how much they would miss J.K. Dobbins as that guy. Sure. Okay, yeah. and number three would just be is the defense just not elite enough to? I mean, it'll be enough to get them to the college football playoff, yeah. but but not win the college football playoff. Yeah, I could see that. All right, so that's the Ohio State Buckeyes. Last thing I want to say is. I remember listening to other podcasts before we started recording, and I would get annoyed by how much they would gush on teams like Ohio State. And here we are having our own podcast. I, we have to call it how we see it. You just it. can't. You can't ignore it, right? Yeah. It's just. And, and I'm not. I don't. I don't dislike Ohio State. Like I feel like a lot of other, you know, not Ohio no, State. I, I. I don't. I. I've enjoyed watching a lot. Of a lot of their football teams. It's not that I root against them. It's just that I I got like, okay, are they really that good? You know, when we first started the podcast, they really have been that good. At least the you know the three years we've been doing this. Yeah, I mean, you know, they come to Champagne this year, and I'll watch it. I'll watch them just absolutely drill the Illini. But in some ways, like I'll it'll be not fun, but like I'll be in awe of what they're doing. Yeah, as it's happening. Yeah, it was, the best way I can describe it for a comparison is. There were guys on the Iowa football team. So number one, you get you know you get a, a social status step up just by being on the Iowa football team. Kind of hurt, kind of helps your self sure. out with the ladies a little bit. And then you just added a dude that was like good looking and smooth on top of it. And you would walk, you just see him, a guy like that walk in party bar and just walk right back out with whoever he wanted. And you were like, not even mad, bro. I'm impressed. No, it's just correct. That's, that's how it's great to see. Good analogy. <laughs> I like that. All right, next up, going east-west-east, the Purdue Boilermakers. Last five years, 22-40. and 40. Their high of the last five years being a 7-6 and six record, low 2-10. and 10. Uh, But that's, you know, that was pre-Jeff Brom, like Tom, so somewhat ancient history. But last year, not ancient history, that was a four and eight year out of the Boilermakers. So the aforementioned Jeff Brom into his fourth year. Uh, offensive co- coordinator, kind of technically listed as his brother, Brian Brom, but we pretty much think it's his big bro. He's probably also more of the analysis organizer type of role. Yep. And they throw Jamarcus Shepard in there as well. Okay. As a, as a co. As a co. So there's three offensive coordinators here. Lots of offensive lines. But really, there's just one. That we just mostly think there's one. New boy on the block, Bobby Disco, a.k.a. Bobby Diaco with his... I mean, he's just taken a, a Big Ten West tour, you know? Played football for Iowa. Uh, coached at Nebraska for one... Yep. Now that's in battle. That was one in battled year that he was at Nebraska. You know he's been at ten programs in seventeen years. It's not. It's not a good sign. That's not a good sign. No. You see that on somebody's resume, you're like, yeah. how come this guy can't stay in one spot for right. too long? Yeah. Um, we won't go into it deep now. I think I've done it on <clears throat> previous podcasts, but he was a GA when I was at Iowa. And right. 
interesting human. That's I'll just leave it at that. Uh, Nebraska fans also view him as an interesting human, too. The strain. He talked about the strain. Is he a pod? Maybe he's a pod. Remember when, when Jerry called Kramer a pod? So okay. you're a pod. Like, meaning he wasn't human. Like, he was, okay. he's, like... <laughs> yes. He's okay. very, he's, he is very much pod-like. Okay. Um, so, go ahead and start on the offense, right? Uh, last year, yeah, not great numbers. 75th in the country in total offense. 393 yards per game scoring. Also not fantastic. 88th in offense at just under 26 points per game. But the reason a lot of that went down like that was just because of an, an insane amount of, of injuries. In fact, Rondale Moore and Sindelar go down on the same play. Not sure I've ever seen that in my history of watching football. I mean, I you rarely see two guys on one play, period. But then to see like the two most important players on an offense go down, no, I've never seen that. And I think we, I think we gave Purdue and especially Brom quite a bit of credit for the fact that how hard they still fought. Oh yeah. Even though the chips were stacked against them pretty much the entire year for scheduling and, and injuries. I mean, there's, there's times it just felt like kind of hopeless, but they're like, yeah, we got, you know, our four string quarterback out there. Let's just see what happens. And they just sling it and. Next thing you know, they're still in the game. So deep into the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, so we'll start with quarterback. Why not? Um, Jeff Brom. I still. I mean, he is a quarterback whisper. I don't think there's really. I, I don't. I don't think that's sugarcoating it or looking it through. You know, Purdue colored glasses. It's you have a confidence of whoever's going to play that position yeah. under Brom that it's going to look pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I really don't even care who's the quarterback here. I feel whoever wins the job, they're going to be just fine. And we're talking about Jack Plummer. Aiden O'Connell, Austin Burton, the transfer from UCLA, Michael Limo, freshman comes in, four-star guy. So I, it's probably going to be Jack Plummer, we think. But I, honestly, I don't think it really matters. Well, okay, I'm going to agree and disagree with you at the same okay. time. I completely understand what you're getting at. I mean, I think I already said it too. But there were that wasn't the best-looking quarterback play that we saw last year. There were definitely spotty moments with both these quarterbacks that we're talking about. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess so. I would say their general lack of talent showed. Yeah, I suppose. But I just feel like he he has such a knack for calling okay. plays. Yeah. Oh, no. Again, no argument there. Like it doesn't what, whatever skill set is in there at quarterback. He works with it. Yeah. Don't you think? I, I mean, Aiden O'Connell was a division three quarterback. And I guess that's my whole point. Like, obviously, the two biggest things that were helping the quarterback play last year was Jeff Brom and the guys that he got to throw to it to me speaks volumes on just how much he could get out of what I think are two mediocre talented quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, I, but what's cra like, here's a scary thought. I don't think Jeff Brom has had a top level quarterback he yet hasn't. since he's been at Purdue. I mean, what's he going to do when he gets one? I mean, I think Alimo is probably that guy, but he's okay. just a freshman. freshman. So I don't see him. I don't see him playing this year, but yeah, I think we're going to see that maybe as early as next year. So then let's go ahead and talk about those receivers. I mean, just having Rondell Moore come back was big enough. And now you team him with David Bell because they barely had any time on the field last year. And I would right. say David Bell, you know, he was better by the mid end of the year. Rondell Moore was out by them. Now we Purdue fans get to see what these two look like on the same field. Is there a better one-two punch in the country at wide receiver? Maybe, but it... <laughs> I don't know. 
that that might be it. I mean, it could be at Ohio State, you know, for a one-two punch. And then you have a little bit of a drop-off, but I think Ahmad Anderson is sneaky good. He yep. just doesn't get as much opportunity because he's got so much talent around him. Yep. Milton Wright was a four-star recruit. I can't believe Jared Sparks is still there. I know. Crazy. Gosh, seems like six years. But also, it looks like they're they're kind of moving Jackson Anthrop to more of a just-receiver role this okay. year. So, okay. I mean, you go pretty much six deep with the – that you feel really good about all those wide receivers. It's insane. Like yeah. almost to the point where it's like, maybe we could extract some talent from the wide receivers and to go to transition it over to, let's say the offensive line. For because instance. here's here. That was all the good stuff. All the superlatives, if you will. Here's I got a little more good stuff. Yeah. You got more superlatives. Well, I, mean, okay. the, I like the running back room. Okay. King Daru, who I actually like calling him. Doru, I think it sounds better. Okay, don't you think King Doru? Let's do it. But but I guess it's pronounced Doru. And Xander Hor- Horvath, pretty good. But they also got a, a four-star freshman, Tyreek Murphy, coming yep. in. So pretty good, pretty deep running back room. I think maybe a I little. I mean, it's sneaky. a pair. It's a pair and a spare, but not not as high level of a pair and a spare as we've kind of gone over with some of these running back rooms we talked about. Um, King it, Daru isn't the. I mean, he doesn't strike fear in opposing yeah, fan bases. Yeah, I suppose bases. that's true. Okay. So I guess um, what I'm getting at is the not so um, – if I, uh, the things that I don't think would, you know, make me feel too confident if I was a Purdue fan, which is the fact that the entire football season is going to be played in late October, November, which means typically yeah. passing games start getting Boy. attacked uh, the later in the season that you go. Good point. This is not what Jeff Brom would have in mind. Uh, we haven't heard anything about these later games being played in domes or anything like that. So we are talking about a lot of sloppy, cold, windy fo- conditions. And what Purdue was not fantastic at last year was oh. running the ball. Oh, I mean, we're- so, well, there's that, but I mean, so you're talking about sloppy conditions. Look at the way they played versus Illinois last year. Illinois kicked their ass in that monsoon. and the Because pre- of styles. Right. And the previous year, remember, they were real hot coming up to the the Minneapolis to play the Gophers, and it was a, just a terribly cold, windy game, and they looked awful that game. It's a thing. It is a thing. And what are we talking about? We're talking about the 126th rank rushing attack last Oof, year. Now but, it did it did come on. It was better towards the end of the year. Yeah, it was. But but okay, let's go a little deeper. Yards per carry also 126 in the country. First down yards per carry, an underrated stat I think. 122nd in the country. Explosive rushes 126 in the country. This was a absolutely putrid, disgusting, deplorable, awful, horrid running attack. And yet probably right on par with Northwestern and Rutgers as far as the running attack was like, otherwise like typical, typical years, this rushing attack would, would, would stick out in the big 10. True. So, I mean, I know we're getting kind of rough here, but this is, this is, this is a thing. This that's is the your, thing that has to be That's your path towards taking the next step, Purdue. If you can start running the ball, then yeah, you can start winning more games and, until you do that. Yeah. I don't know. I, and, and so let's let's take a look at this line. So three out of the five are back, which is kind of good thing, bad thing. You know, the good thing is we got three back. The bad thing is the same three guys we had last year. But we, uh, Herman's at the tackle position. Grant Herman's, the senior, is good. Sam Garvin coming back at the center. And then Mark uh, Stickford at the right guard position. But I just need to see more out of this group. Sam Garvin, male prostitute. Is that? What's That's that? A, is Fred Garvin. 
male prostitute. What's that from, though? SNL. Like, that was, like, way oh, back. Gosh, and the only reason that. I even know that is because we used to have a greatest SNL from back in the 70s. And anyway, sorry. So it was, was back, it was, like, early days. Oh, it was, like, it was, um, uh, uh, yeah, who did uh, it? Dan Aykroyd. Oh, Aykroyd. Yeah. Do you know he was 23 when he started at Saturday Night Live? Are you serious? He already looked like he was old. 35. I know it. Huh. I did not know And he that. acted like he was 35. Yeah, pretty much. I, my favorite from him, I think, all time is the Bassomatic. Bassomatic was fantastic. <laughs> Bassomatic and then the the, uh, the the toys, the dangerous toys. He's like, this is literally a bag of glass. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's great. Look at this. Look at this. Kids are going to grab this. Ah! You know? I don't remember that one. Oh, God. That's a good one, too. We might have to do a little uh, SNL dive after this. So, yeah, long story short, um, offensive line must look better. Running attack must look yeah. better. That's that to me is the gigantic key for Purdue if they're going to compete for a Big Ten West title. So we haven't also mentioned a couple of good tight ends. Yeah, yeah I mean, just, good, you know, they yep. got they got passing weapons for days here. Payne Durham, I, I like him. I think he's underrated. And then they got a freshman Malik Carr who's a four star. They, I mean, pretty much anybody they recruit anymore at the at a pass catching position is a it's four good. star. So yep. there's plenty of talent there. It all just comes back to the line. I mean, that's yep. how you win in football, especially in the Big Ten. And if you're, if you're not controlling the line of scrimmage, you're not going to do well. So that I'm, 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 I'm looking at you, Purdue offensive line. You got to take a big step forward this year. All right, switching over to the defense, the aforementioned Bobby Disco. Um, he has not. I, I'm just really interested to see how that interview process went down between Jeff Brom and, and athletic director at Purdue. Um, he's a silky smooth looking dude, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe he really could explain away. Um, you know, the, the issues that have gone, you know, on his last couple stops. And I will say the position he was put in at Nebraska kind of being in a, I mean, Sean Eichhorst forcing him into a crappy, like you, you could plausibly, plausibly make the argument that it was just a t horrible spot that he was put in at Nebraska. Sure. Yeah. You can say that. And then it got worse. But then he was put into a great spot at Notre Dame. Yeah. And he did well. He was he was the coordinator of the year. Right. He we, we forget about that. Yeah. Yeah. So but he had all the right pieces. That he did. Year. He did. But I'm sure he had something to do with putting those pieces in place and probably recruiting some of those pieces. So so I'm gonna we got a little feast or famine with, with Bobby D. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Bobby Disco was not their first choice to be the defensive okay. coordinator. OK. That's I interesting. Think I think it's kind of came down to, well, this is. This is what we can do. This okay. is the best we can do. Okay. So speaking of what we can do, are they going to do a 3-4 or are they going to do a 4-3? The It was – I heard the – the I, I would be cringeworthy. They've been, quote-unquote, playing around with both. No, Don't not, do that. No. Don't do that. Pick one and go. Um, Simple are, it down. They're going to be using a 3-4. Okay. That's – it's – Done deal. I just don't see anything. Okay. I, I don't. Why would they do anything else? Okay. Well, there's two good reasons why they should start with a three-four. Lorenzo Neal is back. He yes. is the prototypical nose tackle in a three-four. Oh my gosh! Yes. And, and him being back is huge for two reasons. Him being back and he's huge. He's <laughs> like, did you see that picture on Twitter? <laughs> I did. He had, he had, he had in, some titties. In fact, I like when I saw that picture. I was a little bit worried because I'm like. I love Lorenzo Neal when he's healthy, and and that's been right. his big problem is, is staying healthy. Staying healthy, and I still have a question mark as to whether he can stay healthy this year. But I think he might have spent a little too much time on the couch and not enough time in the weight room. So we'll see how that pays off for him. But you know what? Anthony Watts is a good player at the other defensive end position. I mean, Anthony Watts had a great 2018 season. I believe he was out uh, most of last year injured. I mean, so he he he. Um, in fact, I think. Had some accolades like 
Big Ten, I'm not sure what yeah. the team uh, in 2018. So three really good players. Because we haven't even position. talked about George Kalafkas. And I think George Kalafkas could play a 3-4 defensive end, he could. a 4-3 defensive end. He he's, do, that, he's that good. Yeah, he could do anything. I think he matter. could be. I think he could have hand in the ground. He could be in a two-point stance. I just think he's that fantastic. Purdue fans should be happy that – you know, he did play as a true frosh because you get him for next year, too. I mean, yep. he can't go pro yet unless he, you know, really does the huge opt out no, thing. So stud. he's an absolute stud. And again, that's that is a high four star recruit that just he was he looked exactly how he's supposed to look from the get go. Absolutely. So switching over to the linebackers, you know, this is where I got to the point where I was looking at Purdue and I'm like, you know, they've got some players here at linebacker, too. And then you sit there and you're like, why? Why wasn't this defense better last year and I well I think I skipped over the stats total defense hundredth in the country gave up 436 yards per game scoring defense 86 gave up almost 31 points per game there was injuries you know it was yeah it they was, lost they lost their best player on each level pretty yep, much yep but we but there's there's players here right well, I, I mean and, so Derek Barnes moves from defensive line to linebacker I don't know you got Jalen Alexander returning starter Jalen Graham returning starter uh looks like they, they got a Juco guy into Marcus Mitchell at the other outside linebacker position. I, nobody here really impresses me, though. Okay. What do you think? That's I mean, it, literally what I have down in my notes. Higher on experience than talent. Yes. At linebacker. Yeah, there's not much there in terms of talent. So we would be, if I was a Purdue fan, I'd be looking for a younger player to take a step and, you know, splash and look like more of a playmaker at the linebacker spot. At the very least, just have steady play from the linebackers. Because I tell you what, if you are running a 3-4, you need good linebacker yeah. play, if not excellent. And then you need depth. You need depth. And, and if you look at their depth, it's you got a lot of young players yep. here. You'd have one senior in the in the two deep, but then three freshmen. So, yep. And that's to me, that's the weakness probably – I mean, on, on offense, you got the offensive line. On defense, it's it's the linebackers. Great. Um, going to the secondaries, or switching to the secondary. Sorry, you know, decent corners, Corey Trice um, and um, uh, Diedrich uh, Mackey. I think Corey Trice is better than decent. Okay, I That's like fair. that guy. I think yeah. he's a playmaker. Yep. Uh, young last year came on, looked looked good. Um, safeties, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Brennan. Uh, Thienman not even listed as a right. starter. So that's a guy that's got a lot of playing time that looks like he's getting beat out by the younger, more talented guys in the Which safety is, spots. That's exactly what you want to see if you're Purdue fans. Correct. So you got a former starter sitting on your bench. So defensive backfield, I like the starting, and it looks like they have a little bit of de uh, oh. depth as well. Okay. But overall, it will be interesting to see how Bobby Disco puts the pieces together. Yeah, and, and you know, I think you kind of nailed it with uh, – if you're running a three four, you got to have great linebackers. That's and that's the weakness here. Yeah. So that's not they, a good. They got to see someone's got to step up in, in order for them to have a. And and all we really want this year is a serviceable defense. I think that's pretty much all you need. That's what we need. Yep. Okay. Switching over to the schedule. Um, kind of going through the. Uh, you know the. Yeah, you'd see you passed on the specialists. Hey, it's got, become pretty much a tradition now. <laughs> we got two coming back here. Okay. Um. So J.D. Dellinger was pretty solid last year as a kicker, 13-16 on the year. They had a punter, Brooks Cormier, who's coming back, but he's got competition. Didn't have a great year, so he's going to have to win that that uh, that job this year. All right, so looking at the schedule um, for their crossover games, they get Rutgers and Indiana. You could definitely do worse for your crossover games um, from, yeah. from the East, right? Well, and you're always going to get Indiana's right. crossover, so really – they got Rutgers. They got the one they wanted yep. pretty much. Good point. Yeah. yeah. 
or one of the three. I think one of the fair, yeah. fair to say. So uh, first four games, pretty pretty tough slate at the beginning. Uh, Iowa, Illinois, Wisconsin, Northwestern, and I I think this is kind of a microcosm of the entire season. I could see them going one and three in those games. Uh-huh. I could see them going three and one. I could yeah in those games. Is I that, could too. Yeah. I mean, you definitely could see them losing to Iowa and Wisconsin. I mean, Northwestern Illinois. That I one of those two teams beating them. I, I, it would be hard for me to think that they would get beat by both Illinois and Northwestern. But yeah, they go to Illinois and they get Northwestern at home. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of play with this team. Yeah, you could see it going tons a, of play. Yeah, yeah. It, between the ceiling and the floor, there's a lot of play there. I think last four games: uh, Minnesota, Rutgers, Nebraska, Indiana. Could we pretty much say the same thing there? I could see them going three and one. I could see them going one and three. Yeah, isn't that re- crazy? Yeah, you really could. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I have no idea what to think but with then, the okay. schedule in this team. We brought it up earlier at Minnesota. That's going to be late in the year. Yeah. We've seen that before. We know yep. how that plays out. Yep. It wasn't pretty. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it, they should actually be pretty happy that they get Iowa and Wisconsin at the beginning of the year when you're the percentage chances that you have better weather. Sure. So with the more ground and pound type of games, so our teams. So that's interesting. Okay. Uh, biggest game of the year. Who you got? I got Indiana. Really? Okay. Um, it's like definitely. Ar- it's like Army Navy. Okay. I mean, I... That is the correct answer. Okay, um, it's the rivalry game again. We we have I think done a pretty good job of talking on this podcast of saying just how much these two fan bases hate each other. Yes, they definitely do. I really appreciate the hatred there. So it's it's I would say most Purdue fans would say that's the case. I'm just going to throw out Iowa on as the biggest game of the year. I okay. I think they they need to get off to a good start. So losing to Iowa to start the year off would be. A, a big deal to them, I think. And, yeah. and from from what I can gather from Purdue fans, they expect to beat Iowa. They are pissed about being dogs through a field goal dog at home to to Iowa, uh, the mediocre Iowa. Interesting fan base. There. It is an interesting yeah. fan base. Okay. They they have the chip on the shoulder comes from I don't know where, but boy, is it there. Uh, yeah, there's that, but also they they seem to have a higher number of wing nuts. In their fan base. Yes. Like they've got the extremists. Yeah. There's a lot of Purdue extremists out there. I don't know how I I'm glad I I was gonna say it probably anyway, but I'm just glad you said it as well. <laughs> said it first. Uh scariest game of the year. Then I have the next game, Illinois. Yeah. Because so, let's say they lose to Iowa. Right. If you lose to Illinois, uh, it's you gonna start, unravel. Right? Yeah. So I had I couldn't decide between Illinois and Northwestern, but then for me, uh, scary games for me are usually earlier in the season. So if I had to pick one, I'd probably also say add Illinois. So yeah, if you, if you don't beat Iowa, then you lose to Illinois and you got Wisconsin next. Ah, suddenly it's just this uphill battle. So you're with me for scariest game. Yeah. And then I didn't say it before the over under for Purdue is three and a half. I, I mean, I think I get that because Rutgers, Northwestern, Illinois, Nebraska, Indiana. I mean, Every one of those games are – I'm not saying they're going to be favored, but they're, it's going to be right on the line as far as, you know, how Vegas will see those. Yep. So I can see that, you know, and then what you would think is they would get a, you know, not to foreshadow here too much, but a lower end of the, you know, uh, crossover. The, the ninth game. Or the ninth yeah, game. So right. The three and a half is a good number. I, I thought it was yeah. high when I first saw it, but I get it more. No, it's a good – but you're going to have to beat both Illinois and Northwestern to have a, a good season here. You yeah. got to beat Illinois. You got to be, because you're probably, I mean, you could, 
it's not Wisconsin's not an unwin- unwinnable game, but no. chances are you're probably not going to win that. Yeah, I th- it's a good number. It's a good number. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have the Maryland Terrapins. Last five years, not great, Bob. Twenty-one and forty. Their high is a six and seven record in 2016. Their low, three and nine, which has happened twice. Last year being one of the most recent ones. Head coach Mike Loxley in his second year. Defensive coordinator John Hoke also in his second year. Offensive coordinator Joker Phillips also in his second year. But Mike Loxley being quite a bit the the play caller well, here as well. Don't forget about co-coordinator Scotty Montgomery. Scotty as Montgomery well. too. Okay. We got a triumvirate. Triumvirate. Co- Another coordinating one. the offense. It's in vogue. Yes. In vogue apparently. Um, yeah, we are not high on the. Uh, direction of the Maryland football program just, right now. We're just coming right out with that, huh? That's how yes. we're going to kick this baby off. Do we, we said we were going to be honest. We're, we talk about all 14 teams. Yes, we do. And we're going to call them exactly how we see it. Okay. Then I'm calling it how I see it. Um, and it's not like we have Maryland people exactly beating down the door to download our podcast or follow us on Twitter from what I can say. But you know who does follow me on Twitter? Who? Kicker Joseph Petrino's mother follows me on Twitter. <laughs> Well, welcome to the pod. That's she does. fantastic. That's she actually great. does. Yeah. So let's start. Uh, since we're just kicking it right off yeah. with that, the opt-outs here. You got Josh Jackson opting out, which I'm not sure that's a huge loss based on the way he played last year. But Austin Fontaine on the offensive line. Oh boy, I think that's a big one. I don't think I don't think people realize how huge that's going to be for them. Vincent Fly, the depth guy on the defense, but also Chig Okonkwo. Uh, tight end medical reasons opting out for the season. So you have four guys just saying, you know what? Uh, maybe I'll just go to school. Last year, um, total offense, 109th, 343 yards per game, scoring offense, 93rd, 25.3 points per game. And we were talking before the season that there were a lot of things to like yes. about the offense going were. into the year of 2019. Yep. We saw it the first couple games right. of 2019. Lest you forget, last year, 79 nothing against Howard, 63-20 to against Syracuse. They were ranked. Yeah, and re- you're right. Remember, Syracuse at the time, they have fallen quite a ways, but at the time, everyone thought, Syracuse, this is an up-and-coming program. And they, and they embarrassed them. them. And that's why they got ranked. It made sense for Maryland getting ranked. It did. They also beat Rutgers on October 5th, 48-7. to after that, sweet baby Jesus, it was a dumpster fire. Most points they scored after that, 28 points versus Indiana. They, they gave up 34. Check out some of these other points they, they scored. 0, 17, 14, 10, 7, 14, 7, 16. And they weren't going against – not every one of those games was against the – you know, they weren't playing Ohio State every week. Uh, it, 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 it The wheels – you ever see it's the weirdest thing, but like Twitter and just on the internet, you ever seen those videos where like a guy is sitting like in a chair outside of a restaurant and then a tire just comes. Yes. And it just wipes the guy out or the Dude, chair. I, and, I, and I've seen like four or five of them. I love those videos. I know. I, I can't too. like, I love those videos. I don't want to see anyone die. No, but the ones where someone almost freaking dies, that like comes within inches of dying. Like they're, I don't know, walking across the street, they got headphones on and a, a huge <laughs> truck just right by them. I, am obsessed with watching those videos. And that was Purdue's offense last year. It just off Maryland's offense last year. It just, it just, when it fell apart, it, it really fell apart. Um, so switching it to this year, 
Returning starters on offense. I think you could pump it up to six, I think, for returning starters. Yeah. I mean, I've five got, or six. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. Okay. I would Tough. say I'm going to, I'm just going to go with four. You're going to go with four. I'm okay. going with four. All right. Okay. So let's start at the quarterback position. I guess kind of the good news Josh Jackson, not efficient last year. He's opting out. And who do we have here? We at least got a good name back there. Tualia Tagovailoa is looking like the guy at quarterback. Uh, they also have a nice four-star guy, Lance Lejean. Yeah. But he, it appears that Tua has taken the reins and is looking like quarterback one right now. So Groggy uh, from last night. You nailed that name. Good job, buddy. Oh, thank you're, you. You're a real pro. The Lejean? Are you both. talking about Lejean or Tagovailoa? Got them both. Okay. Yeah, nailed it. Yeah. But, yes, yeah, so, uh, so it sounds like good news out of Maryland camp that, like, that he came right in. And just took over, and it looks like the guy. He's got that Tagovailoa leadership skills from his older brother, must run in the family, ready to go. Yeah, it does have that. Not quite as talented as his older brother. Doesn't have quite the size of his older brother, but it looks like they at least know who the guy is. At running back, can you believe Jake Funk is still playing? I can't believe that guy did not retire yet. I mean, it looks like he is their, their running back. after Coming off of two ACL years, two two years in a row getting with ACL surgery, and then they got a a nice freshman in Isaiah Jacobs and Tan Fleet Davis is still on the team too. So uh, there's not, some, not there's a bad some running to work back with here. Room. There's something to work with here. And then of course, forced another four star back there. Penny Boone is, is probably their number four guy here. So a decent looking running back room. That's, that's probably the, you know, probably the strength of this offense, I would say. Cause we drug Loxley at the beginning of the pod for the overall direction, but his overall direction on the recruiting board Always pretty darn yeah, good. Yeah, I mean that's that's so what he's got he's some known talent. For. We got yep. some talent here. Wide receivers, I think you could say this is a good wide receiver group. I mean solid. Solid. I'm going solid. Okay. Dante Demas comes back. DJ Turner is a senior now. Jeshwan Jones was looking great till he got injured last year. So you're starting three really good. And you got a, a former starter in Daryl Jones as a depth guy. So not bad there either. So we're looking pretty pretty solid at the skill position so DJ far. Turner was really darn good in 2018, had the off-the-field issues. That's why he didn't play last year. So it's got to come together, but there's there's pass catchers here okay, for here. Mr. Tagaviola. Let me give you one more. Okay. Five-star, true freshman, Rakeem Jarrett. Okay. And this is this is where Locks, that's what he does, right? He gets, he gets guys like that. He doesn't – so when it comes to recruiting for Locks – he hits these home runs, but then he kind of tempers it like, you know, he I guess his his ceiling is high on guys. But then he he kind of goes back to the floor on a lot of recruits. too. Okay. So it kind of it kind of balances out a little. So bit. Uh, so feast of famine recruiting. There you go. Kind of fits in with the theme of the Terrapins, huh? A little bit. Yeah. yeah. And tight end room. Woof. I mean, there's just not much there. But the good news is Locks you know, doesn't use tight ends doesn't anyway. Use tight ends, probably why there's nothing there, or not, not much there, I should say. It'd be nice if they could just throw a tackle in there, but that gets us to the offensive line. Who this Mercy. This, this didn't look good last year. No. In fact, there were times where it just looked. I mean, honestly, like I, I know we're kind of piling on here, but there were times where it just looked like. I mean, they were they were they were swinging doors, dude. Like three, yeah. you would see. Three out of the five offensive linemen get beat right off the snap. Yes. And do you know they had two four-star offensive linemen transfer out this offseason? Not great, Bob. Not great, Bob. Yeah. I mean, so you got a top three. You got Jalen Duncan at the left tackle. You got Marcus Miner at the right tackle. Not too bad. At least kind of proven guys. You have Austin Fontaine, who was slated to start 
has opted out, and that guy could have played any of the interior positions too. That hurts bad. They brought in a JUCO guy named Jahari Branch, and and they're just throwing him into the fire. He's he's going to be starting this year. This is a patchwork offensive line, and I tell you what, it is paper thin. Yes, they cannot afford a single injury on this offensive line, which then doesn't give you a lot of faith that their quarterback can stay healthy this Correct. year when he, you know by some reports could be the, you know, a bright spot for the offense. Got to keep him up. Got to keep him up. Right. It's going to be tough. All right. Switching over the defense. I don't think we got a lot of much better news to throw at you here. Last year's uh, defensive stats, uh, total defense, 109th in the country scoring defense, even worse, 115th in the country gave up 34.7 points per game. Um, you know, I think we could probably piece together five returning starters from last year. Yep. Go ahead and start on the uh, defensive line. All right. So another place where uh, I'll just use the word again, it's kind of patchwork here. So you got where you really need to be good and win football games is on the offensive and defensive line. And that's really where they're struggling. They brought in two Juco guys, Mo Kite, Ami Finau are slated to be uh, starting or, or uh, second string. Um, you got one returner back. By the way, this is like an all-name defensive Absolutely. line. I mean, can you believe it? Yeah. We got Olu Oluwatimi. Yep. You got Sam Okiawianu. Mosiah Nassel-Kite. Yep. We got, uh, what was what was the other one I saw? Jacorian Bennett. Fantastic. Oh, that's good. Latez yep. Rogers. I like Latez. That's a good name. Ayinde Ile. I mean, dude, they got some great names in here. It's crazy. But, this, again, a patchwork defensive line. Yeah. So, I... That they're going to need some, I don't know, I don't want to say miracle, but they're going to need someone to step up and, and really, like, It's going to have nowhere. to be, like, a story. Like, wow. Correct. Maryland's defense, this guy, that guy, you know, out of nowhere, that's what it's going to take. Switching the linebackers. Shaq Smith, not bad. That's a good AC Ely, not bad. Yep. Two solid guys. Yep. You got a couple freshmen in the two deep, though, so the depth is not great there. Uh, Ruben Hippolyte, a four-star guy in the two deep. Um, but the, but the, to me, it's the stars are nice, but it's not enough. And we just have no. never seen the development or at least the last couple of years. Well, I mean, if you just look at locks overall, he has not shown competence yet as a head coach, I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but you know, there was disaster in New Mexico. Um, last year was ugly to be honest with you. Prove, looking, it, prove us wrong, man. I know, you know but, but I'm, I'm looking at the roster. The roster development does not look good. and The upperclassmen look iffy, and then there is talent. But but you only want the the four-star true freshmen. Like, you want one or two of those guys. Right. Like, <clears throat> as like a depth slash getting into play to make plays. They are going to be relying on those people. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and the thing about the roster is... They've had a ton of guys transfer out, right? Because DJ Durkin was doing a good job recruiting. The, the roster should not be as bad it is, as it is. And while we're talking about it, they have had seven defensive backs transfer out this year. Seven def- Who is going to play in the defensive backfield? Yeah, you got Nick Cross, a five-star, right? Uh, Antoine Rit- Richardson, been hearing good things about him. You got a returning starter at cornerback in Deontay Banks. You got another starter, Jordan Mosley, on the bench. But, man... There's not much after those handful of guys. Secondary, a little bit of bright spot because Nick Cross is actually um, 
there, there's a nice safety tradition going on. There kind of is. Believe it or not. Good point. So he's gonna he he's gonna be another one. I think he'll play on on Sundays. You know, Antoine Richardson, a cornerback, he's back after an in, uh, an injury. Deontay yeah. Banks, pretty good. Like the secondary, this is the best thing I can say. The secondary is the strongest group of the defense. Yeah, and I don't think they would rank in the top ten of position groups in the Big Ten. No, I don't think so. And and again, back to the depth. Vincent Flythe was going to be a, a, a second, well, second string, but playing a lot at the cornerback position. He transferred out, so. I, I I think what you want to hope for from Maryland's defense, just get in people's way. So just looking real quick, we don't use this very often, but Athlon's preseason rankings. So they do by position group. Sure, it's, yeah. it's kind of fun. Take a guess at their – so the highest-ranked group that they have on the entire team is eighth. Take oh. a guess who that would be, what uh, grouping that would I'm be. I'm going to go probably wide receiver. Nailed it. Wide receiver, tight ends. After that, here are the the group the group uh, rankings that they have: quarterback twelfth, running back thirteenth, O line thirteenth, D line fourteenth, linebacker fourteenth, DBs thirteenth. I mean, I would, I would go fourteen with the offensive line. I I think thirteen has given them a little too much credit. So that wasn't dire enough of a ranking. You you could bring them down a little bit more. Okay, and Mrs. Petrino, I apologize. <laughs> yeah, specialist. Oh yeah, specialist. Speaking uh-huh. of uh-huh. kicker, Joseph Petrino comes back. So I, yeah. so we're gonna do something this year. Okay? okay, we're gonna keep a ticker, a rolling ticker, of the number of times they attempt a field goal. This oh my year. god, I forgot about that. Yes, because he was Did, two of five on field goals last and year. They got something like six or seven games in the season before they attempted a field goal. It's something like that. It was just, and, and we didn't even address it. Like. It was it was happening and I wasn't even noticing it. Correct. So we are going to keep a rolling ticker of how many attempted like field goals. I like that. Okay, so uh, we got Joseph Petrino and Colton Spangler comes back. Not great uh, uh, punter last year, so needs to improve there. Spangler, Colton Spangler. Pretty sure that's a Ghostbuster name. Oh, I think it was Spangler. Yeah. Yeah. I used yeah. to. When you, There's a Professor right? Spangler, right? I made my own Ghostbusters fan club when I was like fourth grade. Are you serious? It, 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 it was it was a fan club of two, me and one of my buddies, Kurt, <laughs> ironically. Um, but I had I had made my own ten uh, question questionnaire that you had to answer, and you had to get the questions right to in get order, into the in club. A, and I remember Kurt got like two right; he knew nothing, but I let him in anyways, you know. Because <laughs> all right, I didn't right. want I didn't want my group to just be me. And then I would make a proton pack with a shoebox. My okay, shoe, sure. so yeah, shoe yeah. by, and then I would like staple things to it so I could put up. Anyway. Okay, so we talked about Dan Aykroyd, right? Yeah. Did you? Yeah, know, no, this is a Dan Aykroyd heavy podcast. It is. So, yeah. Did you know that he is like he he believes in every like single conspiracy? Like he's yes. he's way I, into ghosts, which is why he made that movie Ghostbusters. Because right. he's it's yep. actually an interesting. It was business. that movie was even crazier. The first script was it? It, it like it was going to have aliens in it, everything. And okay, like, they're like, hey Dan. How about we just do ghosts? Ghosts and aliens, a little bit weird. Sure. Yeah. So, but he's into aliens, too. Like, 100%. he believes in aliens. Yeah. He believes, like, he is any, like, you know, out of the, what's that called? Like, what's that? What's the word for that? The, mm, tinfoil hat? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I guess. He's but, weighing all that stuff. Uh, but congrats on him, because he wound up, I'm pretty sure, I think it was, no, not Vanessa Angel. You ever seen the movie Spies Like Us? Oh, uh, yeah. Love that movie. Great um, movie. One of the, the hot chick spy one of the hot russian girls 
Uh, no, that was Vanessa Angel. Oh, okay. She's off the, she was off the charts. The other agent, hot chick, okay. that's his wife. And, I mean, you want to talk about Outkicker coverage. So Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. That's what funny will do for you. Yeah. Money. Funny and money. Anyways. Okay. Schedule. We're just going to kind of break this all down into one thing because, you know, it's just hard for me to see them getting a win versus Minnesota, Penn State, Ohio State. That's their second, third, fourth game of the year. Hard for me to see them getting a win versus Indiana or Michigan. Okay. Yep. Their right. over under is set at 2.5. So who does that leave on the schedule that we think they could beat? Northwestern, Michigan State. And Rutgers, okay? I mean, Northwestern, you know, thought they could be a little bit more solid. We're getting, you know, a little bit. Those are the three wins yep. that you think they can get. The crossover game for them would be the, you know, somewhere around the second, third, or, you know, first, worst or second worst team in the Big Ten West, which I think will be a better team than Maryland. I don't know. That 2.5, if they go over, it's at three. I don't see four wins here. No, I don't see four wins. I mean, I... To be honest with you, I, I like the under there. So do I. Um, so biggest game? Yeah. Rutgers. I have biggest game. I said I said Rutgers or Northwestern. So Rutgers could be it because it's the last game of the year. Yeah. There is theoretically a chance that that would be their first win. of the Correct. Year. I also have Northwestern because if you did beat Northwestern. Yeah, it gives the first, you some momentum. Right? Sure. So I could go either way on that. A little that. confidence there. The scariest game of the year, I do have Rutgers. Because I also have Rutgers for the scariest because game. Because, they, they, again, they it could be their potentially their only win. So I think we've kind of shown our cards on what we think about the Maryland Terrapins. Good luck, uh, Terps fans. Good luck. Um, yeah, that'll bring us to the end of the podcast. I am Jeffrey the Greek. And I am Big Kurt. 